Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey friends, welcome to the Tennis and Bigos podcast. I am your host, Andre, and I'm here with Owen. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Um, I have not been watching a ton of tennis because um, after the Australian Open, I kind of burnt out for a while. Um, but yeah, still been kicking around on Twitter. Um, the ATP actually put out some good content. Um, many, many kudos to the writers who came up with that kind of Truman Show-esque bit with all the players saying everything was fake, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that more, but uh, yeah, I've been doing well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like there's a good time to burn out in the sense, just because like, there isn't much that happens um, between the Australian Open and then we're going to ha- have the Sunshine Double, and all of this is honestly a, a bit of filler uh, before the clay season starts i mean obviously the sunshine double is really important those are two really really big tournaments um but it's been a while that just kind of they kind of feel a bit out of place but in a in a weird way just because those are two big tournaments i don't necessarily wish them out of the calendar but at the same time it's like you can't really put them before the australian open as two nap events because who's going to travel from Miami to Indian Wells to Australia. And I mean, this is just not the same conditions. It just doesn't help. Um, and then after that is like just a whole mess after the golden swing, which is like a kind of mini clay court season, which is kind of becoming weakened, weaker and weaker as time goes by. I find like, unfortunately not as many big players are deciding to go. Even Acapulco has switched to a hardcore event for from a while back, just to kind of try to attract more players before um the sunshine double really so yeah i am i criticized the sunshine double last year and got a lot of hate for it because i my rationale was um so we've just had the australian open and we've just had a bunch of hard courts at the end of um the previous season now the next major is on clay so why are we still playing on hard courts and trying to pretend that these tournaments are important when there's like no major uh, coming after them on the same surface. And I get that they're worth a thousand points and this and that, but I, I said something to that effect and um, like people got really angry. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like we wait so long for the off or so long, like two weeks for the off season to go by. And then we get the Australian open and then it kind of feels like there's another off season, especially now that I don't really have the bandwidth anymore to watch smaller tournaments. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to, minimize those those are really important for a lot of players but i just don't have the yeah the bandwidth to to watch those anymore so i'll i'll skip that pay like peripheral attention to the sunshine double um and then i'll be back in for clay season yeah like tennis is is interesting just because like it's it's always a problem with the sport in general i guess because there isn't necessarily like an actual structure we sort of like made a structure out of the the four grand slams because they kind of became the facto like biggest tournaments in the world um you know like we kind of can see there's like the clique season kind of leads up to rolling arrows there's a 
almost non-existent grass season that leads up to Wimbledon. And there is like a slightly comparable uh, North America high court season that leads up to the US Open. But that's not really exactly what happens because then after that, we kind of have like those weird lead up tournaments to what the ATP finals that only eight players get to qualify for. And then Davis Cup that is like kind of losing up their importance nowadays. And just because of the crazy format thing. Um, and then we have like obviously this part of this season, which is like the golden swing, which is who's going to play on clay in South America when you yeah. can just remain in Europe where most of the players live anyways, play on hard courts where most of the players are actually good at anyways, and then go up to play a, what is called like the second Grand Slam of the season, which is oh, the, the fifth Grand Slam rather at India Wild. So it's just like, it's a bunch of like weird stuff, but I guess we just kind of have to live with it and take it a tournament at a time in a sense. Right. I mean, I, I am glad you mentioned the fifth Grand Slam, though, because like um, I, I don't pretend that this is kind of where my beef with the Sunshine Double comes in. Like, I don't pretend that like each part of the tennis season is part of this like perfectly structured like narrative that builds to the majors. Like like you said, the um, the, the golden swing m- makes no sense. Right. Like or it, it makes sense in the sense that like um, the next major is on clay, but it's still so long away that like. And they're big hardcore tournaments before that. But then, um, so I, I get it from that standpoint. But then people say like, oh yeah, Indian Wells is the fifth slam. And I'm like, look, not only are you worth half the amount of points, but like, again, you're not building to anything bigger. Like, it's like, you are not a major. Um, so when, when people are like, uh, when people say things like that, I get a little annoyed. But. Yeah, I think the, the whole the, the whole idea of like the fifth Grand Slam, I think it just kind of has to go because there's only four. And if you want to make a fifth one, like, I mean, either make one or or don't call it that because it's just not what it is. Uh, I get the idea because in the Indian Wells, it's like the, the site is so huge and everything is so massive that it kind of feels like a Grand Slam in a sense. But at the same time, as, as you said, like in terms of the actual... Um, I guess uh, let's just put another another word I don't like, but the prestige of it is just not as 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 much as like the other four, right? So um, at least trying to get me riled up before yeah. we even get going. Yeah. I mean, you really do need a one-headed backhand to win it in duels. Like, I'm just going to say, right? And uh, I I think like all four majors should be on grass as well, right? Is yeah. That, yeah. Is that the next thing you were going to say? Yeah. Yeah. And Silver Volley has to make a comeback. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I actually think? I think you should lose a point if you don't serve in volley, just like in UTS. Like, every, everyone plays the Uno cards at every yeah. match. And so if you serve and you stay back at the baseline, you've already lost. Yeah. I think that would make tennis a lot better. Right? Yeah, like, you, you have to you have to always serve a volley at least once per game. Otherwise, you're going to <laughs> lose a point. Did, did you see that um, they disqualified Gael Monfils from... From UTS, like, do you know what happened? I I I don't care about the UTS. UTS. I like some exhibition events. The UTS, I just don't have the patience for it. I'm sorry, whoever people likes them, I'm just not into it. No, I I agree. I like despise it. But I, I saw like some news that like they disqualified Monfils, which is weird because it's a it's an exhibition, and they seem to be very high on like they want you to break rackets and yell at people. So I'm I'm curious what he did to get himself booted out. Maybe he was playing too conservatively. <laughs> right? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe he didn't serve on volley. Yeah. And, uh, Patrick Maradoglu, uh 
was uh we should do an episode on patrick at some point like we should, yeah like is he total tennis like is does he deserve to call himself the coach or is he actually responsible for simona Halep? like wow <laughs> like doping and is he like just i don't know doing the tennis coaching equivalent of like sleeping around uh Wow, <laughs> I, I don't know. I it, it's very interesting with him. I'm not. I'm not quite sure whether he's an expert or or a clown. Or yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough to say. Maybe he sits somewhere in the middle. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I don't think he, I would. I wouldn't classify him as coach of the year. Maybe never. But um, maybe he can bring players around. I mean, I feel like he's got the. If not to go too deep into Muratopo now, but I do think that. At the very least, he's got the basics right. So, like, he can kind of bring out players from, like, you know, training and, like, just give, like, a nice foundation. But I don't think that he's the coach that's going to, like, bring you to the elite level and break to the top 10 and win a major. I don't think that he's that kind of coach. But yeah. Right. I, I, I mean, yeah, like, he did he did work with Serena for a while, and Serena was very successful during that period. But I feel like that could just be Serena being Serena and, like, yeah, I'm getting the worst coach in the world, and she would have won a lot. I mean, yeah, like P- Patrick is weird because he, it seems like he works with a lot of very successful players, but then there are also moments where it's like I question whether he has any idea what he's talking about. Like there was a clip a while ago, before the last Djokovic Nadal match at the 2022 Roland Garros, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Look, Djokovic's peak level is higher even on clay, and if if you look at the head-to-head on clay." Yeah, Nadal has won a lot, but like Djokovic has also won a lot. And it's like, I think their play head to head was like 19 8 at the time. And it's like, and he was like talking like it was even. And uh, it's like, yeah, dude, I think if the difference in their Roland Garros titles is like 12 to 2 or like 13 to 2, like I don't think they have the same peak level. But yes, sometimes he just has really weird stuff. Yeah, I, I do. I, I am of the belief that Patrick just says stuff so that people can. So that people can be so mad at him yeah. <laughs> that he's just going to get a lot more famous because of that. So he just kind of ha- finds a way to be back on every single media outlet every time. I, I, I think you nailed it. He's like an engagement baiter. Like like that, that Zverev tweet as well, where he's like, if I could give him one word, it would be resilient or something. Like there's no reason he tweeted that. Yeah, no. Like stir up some outrage and get like 10 new Twitter followers or something. Yeah. What a- Patrick, yeah, Patrick's PR is definitely an interesting case of, but why? <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I I, I would be curious if someone did like a mega profile on him, like G, yeah, someone to like Marotta Blue Academy, and they like I don't know observe what he eats for breakfast and like is he actually telling the players anything helpful? And, mm-hmm. and look, I and look, I'm I'm sure he does. Like obviously he knows his stuff, or he wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. in this business is yeah for sure as deeply as he is but i i don't know i think there, there's just something about him where it's like uh i can't quite take him seriously yeah i feel like a good journalist that i think would write a piece that i would love to read about a person like this would be ben rothenberg i think he would he would be the perfect uh writer for a person like as country not contradictory but like i mean incendiary i guess i mean i don't know what words to say but like a person like martoglu that causes a lot of stir around <laughs> to his yeah. twitter yeah and you know ben wouldn't like pull any punches either like he'd, he'd go in and open with like you know a lot of people think you're a hack uh what do you say to that or something yeah like, i would love to see that that, that piece be written 
other, other guy that would I think would write perfectly about him in, in a more serious tone. Well, not the band isn't serious, but like probably be a little bit more diplomatic about it. Would would be um, Matt from uh, um, he used to write for the Racket. Um, so yeah, it'd be a really good if he hasn't written about him yet because he's did I did a lot of stuff writing. But yeah, yeah, we, we should. Another thing we should do at some point is like an episode on like the best tennis writers and tennis writing, and we'll just like talk about our favorite pieces. And I'll talk about Grant Lund for like half an hour straight. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be fun. I think it'd be a good episode for you to lead then, because I guess you have been um, right on um, reading a lot more tennis stuff than I have in the past. But yeah, speaking of writing, I, I guess you've uh, mentioned something really interesting in the beginning, which is the ATP's best content of the decade, of the century, maybe ever <laughs> that they've ever put out. The ATP season, where it was just hilarious. They obviously kind of mirrored it around like something sort of like the office in a sense but in a different way obviously but yeah honestly though like, i feel like that was if, if tv was something remotely like this i think if breakpoint was remotely like like that um it would have been amazing um as i tweeted i guess from the tennis and beagles account it's like it's tough to make a comparison because like one is very clearly a parody <laughs> um and the other one is kind of trying to like bring them into their real life, um, you know, mindset to tennis and whatnot. But I think um, somebody actually replied about it. It's just like, oh, if you're only talking about the mental focus and like how exhausting it is to play tennis, like it gets it gets old, it gets boring. So it's like that's and it, actually that person. I don't know if it's a he or she at this point anymore. I don't even remember it. Who tweeted that? But. Um, they they got a point. I mean, if every episode is gonna be about how hard it is to be a tennis player and how you have to focus and how stressful it is mentally, I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, and how if, if, and how if you hold for one zero at the start of a match, like you bought the um, or whatever. Um, and yeah. not joint. Um, no, I I totally agree. Like, imagine if like this had just been like the cold open of Breakpoint. Like the first scene is just a joke. And it's like all of this is fake, and then you know they play the intro, and then they cut to like actual stuff. That would have been hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, major, major kudos and congratulations to everyone who wrote on on that video. It was hilarious. I think. Um, I think my favorite part was like Djokovic's talking head, where he's like, "Yeah, like I, I really try to bring him to life," and he, um, he has the perfect emotion where he's like, "You know, I'm j just like, what would Djokovic feel?" Yeah, person, and he just has this very slight eyebrow raise, and it's just like absolutely perfect. He was amazing. It's like ninety percent serious and ten percent I'm in on the joke, and like obviously everyone was in on the joke, but it was yeah. uh yeah, and like Runa sucking the lollipop, um, and team mocking the grunts. Oh, absolutely brilliant! I uh, yeah, it made me laugh. I mean, I couldn't believe how how they got the players to be so good on this one because normally if you do like games there. I think it's this so this is so original that even the players are like, oh my gosh, this is actually really fun because there's yeah. there's no way every time that you see stuff like that, like every once in a while you're gonna get like that little you know, cringe, slightly awkward joke because like or smile because you kind of have to make it look fun, mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like this one man like the way that they got Murray and Djokovic, Gamal Fizz was amazing. <laughs> He's like pretending to be like completely clumsy. Man, that is like the most athletic guy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so funny. Yeah. And the, yeah. the pause, the pause that Djokovic takes, like before he goes, like if he was a real person, and he just like, yeah. like look at the camera. Oh, that was so good. Uh, Perfect. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I wonder if one of the reasons why this works so well is that, like, tennis players are so media trained and told, like, you know, don't give anything away. And so maybe the way to get them to open up is have them play other people. Like, you know, like none, none of it is authentic. And then they can actually show their personality while being someone else. Um, yeah. I don't know if that was the reason why it works, but it, it would make sense. Yeah. In terms of like Netflix, I feel like not to crap too much on like whatever. I feel like they kind of show the, the, the personal aspect of the players somewhat well. Like I got to see some of them, but I feel like one of the things that actually make um, this particular piece of content really shamed is that they actually had Djokovic and Murray in it. And they had like really top players to like join in on the fun and whatnot. And I, I feel like, yeah, you could make an episode about like one or two, three players, but could you not, I don't know, do you really have to? I feel, I feel like you could kind of follow more, play, more players around and just kind of like consecrate like some uh, more time about them and just try to give them to life. But maybe what they are truly uh, missing is is really how to make the tennis come to life. I feel like that's one of the points that you give. Uh, you said about the one zero. I feel like that there is a point where they could start talking about like tactics and and things like that, and just trying to explain. Just get a coach on and just be like, well, what do you? How do you make a player go from like top twenty to top ten, like and stuff like that, like. How do you see potential? Like, what is what is a good forehand? Things like that. Just I don't know. And, and analyze a match. Like, just get a get the rights. They're already on ATP, right? So in the WT, just get the rights for a like a random match from the past and start analyzing it or something. I feel like they'll be great. I feel like there could be so much good potential content too. You know, and make it a little bit more lighthearted too. Um, I like the lighthearted parts where like Matteo Berrettini is like talking to his family and whatnot. But I feel like this. There is, I'm not sure if they should be taking themselves too seriously or are they are taking themselves too seriously or there's a balance to be, to, to strike over there. It's hard for me to tell I'm not like a professional um, in this entertainment industry, but something is just missing that this like little ATP season thing had that Breakpoint just doesn't. And I, I can't really explain what it is. <laughs> Dude, you are speaking my language that like everything you said there, I agree with like, and um, yeah, I think break point. I just it, like in terms of breaking down a match and like no one is asking them to get too sophisticated, right? Like there are mm -hmm. ways to talk about a match that are very obvious. Like you, you have Djokovic playing like, let's, let's say a big server, get a big server and talk to them and, t and ask them to tell you about how every match they play. 90% of their first serves are going to win them the point. And against Djokovic, it's down to 60%. And they're like, and the ball is coming back at their feet and it's uncomfortable. Like, it's very easy to understand. Yeah. We're talking about like Nadal breaking down backhands because he's lefty and he's got the spin. Like, it's not rocket science, even if you've never seen tennis before. And they just didn't even try. Um, and yeah, I, your last point about like, yeah, break point is just missing something. I think it's missing a bunch of things. But yeah, I, I com you're completely right that this ATP video just had something that Breakpoint did not. And I, I, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what that is. And I don't know. I think, yeah. I think this ATP video just knew what it was doing. Like mm -hmm. they, they were like, we're going to make a funny thing. And then they made a funny thing. Yeah. And I break point is like, let's show that tennis is hard. And let's show the people who, 
aren't necessarily winning, but then we have to show the people who are winning a little bit. And then, but then we, there's this new exciting person and there's also yeah. the person who's really struggling and we have to show all of it all at once. Like, yeah. I think they just needed to pick a mission statement and go with it. Like, like ATP, ATP video was like, let's try to be funny. And I think Breakpoint was like, let's try to show everything everywhere all at once movie reference um but i think had they said okay let's show the athletic part of it then you make like the best highlight reel ever and it's probably really cool or if they're like let's show the mental side of it then you actually talk about the scoring system and and the grind instead of just having people say repeatedly it's so hard and that's probably great um, I think by kind of trying to do everything they accomplished, I think. Yeah, I almost feel like they could just have like a like a person like Andy Roddick, and then um, give me someone from the WTA, uh, say like Elena Dokic from the Australian Open, who's actually really good, like um, as an interview, or Andrea Patkovich, who's amazing by the way as well. But just have them like be the hosts on the show. Don't try to like recreate like Drive to Survive, like throw that out the window. Put two hosts in. They're gonna be interviewing players all around. Just like I don't know, like asking questions, analyzing videos, and just like doing stuff like that. I feel like this is kind of like the concept of drive to survive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Worked for golf and worked for Formula One because they're completely different um, organizations. And their schedule is also totally different. <laughs> but... Tennis, I don't know, find a different personality, find like a focus. I, I think you said it perfectly, Lingby. I feel like Breakpoint hasn't really figured out like what he wants to be and like what is its its objective. Like it doesn't really have a personality yet. I feel like it's trying it's trying too hard to be drive to survive for tennis, which is like it's always the recipe for, you know, being worse than the original product. Exactly. And the sad part is like they got um people like Roddick and Courtney Wynn and Jim Courier as talking heads and like all their parts were great but they didn't utilize them sufficiently I think like I think use them as narrators throughout the whole thing you know like have them interview the players um like yeah I don't know um I mean I I have like no faith that it's Mm. point is gonna get better like um I think we saw the numbers of like how much time people had spent watching it and I think it was like the episodes were like longer in total, but people still spent less time watching them. Wow, that's sad. And I, I think we said this before on a podcast, but like season one was ten episodes. Now it's down to like six episodes, and they're like they're clearly floundering because like the 
the Zverev thing, we can't even begin to like rationalize. So like if you have six episodes and you're already burning one off on like something that makes absolutely no sense, like I, I don't know if they'll get renewed. I don't know if um <clears throat> if the creative minds behind it are sufficiently driven to like tell the story of this sport. Yeah, it's a, it's tough. Like if I I definitely feel like they need a new concept. Like they can't be running with the the same ideas of like as I said, like drive to survive. It's it's a concept that worked out. But I feel like you need to look at tennis and just say like what could work in this environment. Like forget everything that we say we've seen before. And of course, like on TV this is obviously incredibly hard to do because TV is always looking for formulas. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, but it's it's tough. Yeah, I mean, the the last thing I'll say on this, and the thing I still can't get over, is like 16 episodes of this show, and you've still given the viewer no concept of how a tennis match actually flows and works. Um, Like the, the Wimbledon final between Alcaraz and Djokovic, they cut right to the fifth set, and then show like pieces of points and like cut and pasted reactions from other parts of the match. And then like, you know, if you if you mess up highlights of that match, then... Maybe there is just no hope for you because I think like that is the easiest thing to get right. Like you have a you have a match with so many narratives and so many highlights, and you blow it that badly. Like uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe the series deserves uh fall into the ocean. Tennis is always going to have its hardcore fans. Uh, like may- maybe it's a good thing that um that this happened. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe it's like at least an experiment that happened and who knows maybe maybe apple tv will want to do something afterwards oh i i would have more faith in them yeah 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 and uh, on this the women's side actually um, i don't know if you've seen my tweet as well but like the abu dhabi open if you want to watch any tennis this week i think you can watch the semifinals tomorrow they're going to be in my opinion really good we got um, oh, by the way, as we record this, this, this is Friday. Uh, as you listen to it, it this semifinals are probably all over. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I'm not as fast on the on the editing as I could be. But anyhow, um, Rybakina versus Samsonova and um, Bia Haddad Maya versus uh, Daria Kazakina. So Kazakina has been like kind of going very quietly through the draw. I feel like because of her recent results and. Other things like she kind of like fell off the radar a little bit, but she's in play really well. I think it's going to be an interesting uh, semi final lineup for tomorrow. And by the way, I just realized that like, um, it's the uh, I, I believe the Doha Dubai double that the WT has now, they, they're both now 1000 tournaments, mm-hmm. uh, they're not just 1500 and 1000, are they? Yeah, I think that's right. Wow, so we have two. Well, sunshine doubles in the sense for for the WT, we have like this two one thousand events, and then we gonna have like Indian Wells, Miami, and then we're gonna go over to the clay court. The WT season is even even crazier. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I, I, I'm definitely past the peak of like my hardcore days, but like even even then, I could not comprehend really the tennis calendar, and now I've just stopped trying. But yeah. um, but but yeah, the semifinals seem good, and I'm I'm glad that Rabakina has kind of bounced back strongly um from the Australian Open like she she was down a set to Collins which um is not an easy position you know like Collins seems to have carried over that Australian Open form herself um and Rabakina came back and won 6-3-6-3 in the last two sets I did I did notice that result even though I'm kind of tuned out of everything right now yeah so yeah that that was good to see um 
the, yeah, like the, the WCA is still so exciting with all these players at the top. Like, I just want them all to make it far at every tournament so they can play each other. Like, I want another Sabalenka Rubakina. Um, I want a Sabalenka Sviantek on play. Um, I want Goff to mix it up with them some more. Um, yeah, it's just so exciting. Yeah. And then just, I guess, to finish on the on a high note, maybe on this one, like since we are basically already expecting for, um, you know, Indian Wells now, the next big tournament. Um, and since you said your past your peak days, but do you think you're going to be watching much of uh, that month of tennis, the March March Madness in tennis, if you will? Um, I'll, I'll definitely catch parts of it. I mean, um, if there's a matchup I like, I'd, I'll definitely check that out. Um, like if, um, if we get some of those double UCA matchups, if we get two of Djokovic, Alcaraz, Sinner playing each other, I'll definitely watch that. If we get a Djokovic Nadal, because Nadal could end up anywhere in that draw. Yeah. I so I'll I'll, I'll track that. I'll be on Twitter, obviously, because I'm addicted to that hell app. Um but um yeah, I, I'm not gonna be watching it religiously, I don't think. Yeah, you're gonna save yourself for the clay season or mm-hmm. mostly just for rolling arrows now. I, I gotta say, even the clay season in twenty twenty three it's like these two week masters are not not doing it for me. True. I can't I can't sustain my attention on one event for that long that many times a year. You know what I mean? Like it's um a- after a major ends, I feel like everyone collectively needs that like come down period. Um but I like I don't want to do it again in a week, you know? Um like I'm happy to wait a little while and um have the tournaments build up to a major again. Um so I don't know. I mean, I'm like, I'll probably follow those a little closer than Indian Wells in Miami, but I'm not going to watch those religiously either. Yeah, I agree. Like, if, in terms of the two week tournaments, like, let's see how it goes this year again. But, like, for me, it's just, I just lost interest. Like, I, I just felt like the high wasn't, I couldn't, I, I guess you put it right, I can sustain the level of attention because, like, the high just gets high. And if it's like a week event, it's just kind of, it goes so fast. And, like, you can see, like, the players going through the draw and, like, okay, like, this is, this is, this is like, building up very quickly but when the build-up is so slow after the two-week event and it's like it's not a major so you're like well okay there's another one next week anyways it's like it doesn't really matter i finally like that yeah i definitely for the players i've seen all of the arguments it's definitely better for them in the re- in regards to their physicality because they can get like the extra day of rest yeah. and when you have like two masters back to back like from madrid and where it basically have to play every day it, it does get tough on the body uh and especially on the summer in the summer where it's like just kind of like tennis back to back to back until basically the u.s open mm-hmm. but i mean i guess for i don't even want to say for the fan i don't know if like the fans in the stadiums prefer that um i don't know if the tv ratings went down but at least for me and like i guess for like some of the hardcore fans like it is um less interesting it's just it kind of a little too too much. It's tough to say, but it's too much tennis. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with too much tennis. Um, yeah, exactly. And like I, I feel like with the two week masters, it's kind of like n- no matter what, I would prefer one week as a fan. Like I'm I'm glad that the players are getting their rest. Um, but it, it's like if the tournament is really good and it starts to feel like a major, it's sort of like well, we already have four of those and that works well. Um. And this isn't as important as the one happening in a couple of weeks. And if it's bad, then you have to wait forever for it to end. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it is too much. Um, 
but I mean, I no one's forcing me to watch, so uh, that's true. <laughs> it's not much of a complaint, really. Yeah, it's it's funny to say like nobody's forcing us to watch, but like that's that's basically what they want, right? If they could, they would force us to sit in a chair and like watch all their ads. So right, we will see like how their their ratings go. If is this better for TVs? Is it better for the players? I guess this is an experiment that was just like on a wait and see basis, but yeah. Okay. But for now, we are kind of like in this warm, like lukewarm part of the season where with just like here tournaments here and there. There's good for the players to get to get money and, and prize and, uh, and points. But yeah, just a little bit of a awkward part of the season. Um, so yeah, just we will see. <laughs> yeah. How, how do you feel about the prospects of tennis being deeply involved with? Saudi Arabia, uh, I mean, is it any surprising? Like, I mean, I feel like it takes it takes too much guts as a as a CEO to, um, and as a for the boards of, for the board of directors as well to like say no for something for the specific reason of like it, this is not morally right. I would say, for example, there are some places that are like extremely easy to say no to, like say for example, North Korea. So. Um, but when it comes to um, like Saudi Arabia, they have the semblance of um, of freedom in terms of like their cities are really rich. There's a lot of rich people going there, and like they have tourism. So in a sense, it kind of looks like a peaceful place. So all the stuff that they do is not really out in the open very much. But I mean, it's tough. I mean, it's it's. I don't I don't see any any other. Um, company or things like that they're like operates on the global level like as tennis and just saying no to basically free money yeah it's it's hard because they do have all that money and i i don't know i feel like saying all this is futile and it's not going to matter but and and people have made points about like you know the u.s is helping israel funds the the bombing of gaza and stuff and like that's really bad and so like why do things happen in the u.s and um and at other countries and stuff, but dude, Saudi Arabia is like a human rights like wasteland. Um, it's um, like they criminalize homosexuality. They have public executions. Um, women have way fewer rights there. Um, their government killed a journalist. Um, it's it's really really bad. And um, so I. You know, personally, I want tennis to stay the hell, hell away from Saudi Arabia because they don't care about tennis. And this is part of a thing they are doing called sports washing, where they're aware that their image is awful. And so they think if they pour all this money into these sporting events and make them really good, people are going to say like, oh, they like, did you see this amazing event in Saudi? Um, and that's going to rehabilitate their image. And it's working because over, and I know this because over the past year plus, um, I've become a boxing fan. Um, judge me for that all you want. But Saudi Arabia is deeply involved in boxing and boxing has a problem where like they can't make the big fights and they struggle with negotiations and Saudi Arabia stepped in and like they have hosted a bunch of big fights and they have supplied enough money for people to be satisfied. And now a lot of people in boxing are calling this guy, Turkey Al Sheikh, who is like the head of their entertainment division or whatever, his excellency. And they're like, uh, you know, oh man, his, ex 
his excellency is like saving boxing. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Like, it's, this is not good. And so I, I say all this to say like, Saudi Arabia is going to put together some really good tennis events. This Six Kings thing, the production value is probably going to be amazing. Um, they're going to like, because they're going to pour so much money into this. Like, the players are going to get a ton of money for it. It's a bunch of really high profile players playing each other. It's probably going to be a great event. But like, so don't lose sight of the fact that Saudi Arabia are the ones putting it on. You know, like, <laughs> let's not. Let's not praise them out of hand. Um, I think um, I was listening to uh, the Surf podcast with Andy Roddick earlier today, and he, um, John Wertheim was on, and he said that um, you remember that uh, Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova had, um, they wrote like this, I think like an open letter, but they basically said like um, the thresholds uh, for human rights in Saudi Arabia is way too low. So if they like meet this standard, then like a higher standard, then we can talk. And I, I, I don't know, I, I like that. It's not, um, like, I agree with, like, as things are, like, you, I don't think we want to get in bed with these people. Um, but it's probably going to happen. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep in mind that these, these hosts are not, uh, not as benevolent as they would have you believe. Um, and yeah, that's about all I have to say. Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't really have anything to add to that. Like, I feel like, I think as fans, like, we have some sort of power in terms of, like, if there's, like, a massive, like, say, a lot of people in the U.S. and the U.K., which is probably the biggest markets in tennis, they just decided that they collectively are not going to watch um, for the majority of them. Like, I feel like the ratings are so low. I do wonder, like, what would cause um, Saudi Arabia to do in that in that point, or the ATP and WTA, um, for that regard. Um, and given that they just started with the ATP, I don't know if this is strategic, but I wonder if there is some some kind of, um, well, you know what I mean, like just putting down the women and just kind of going for the men first, like as in, like, just they are a better product. And so some misogynist um, views involved in, in and the production of like six kings first and who knows if there's going to be a next uh, all women event in saudi arabia even though they did i feel like they did try to buy the wta finals so who, who, who knows like it may, it may it may happen for the wta soon enough as well but it, it seems like they were trying to hold their ground a lot better so then maybe that's the reason why they're not uh they're, they're not doing anything with the wta because it actually probably worked very well for the uh, point of trying to like sports wash their their image if they try to go for the women first. So, yeah, I, I I'm not sure exactly what their what their plans are, but um, yeah, I mean, and I I don't even necessarily look at it as like we can't watch these things. Like, of of course you can watch. Like, you can watch anything you want. But I think I don't know. Let's like let's not fall into their trap of like oh, they did such an amazing job here, you know, like, thank you to them. Like, no, like, um, let's not call anyone his excellency, like, because these are the same people who are holding, like, public executions, like, the next week, probably. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, um, I, I just think it's important to keep in mind, like, what, what Saudi Arabia has been like standing for. So, um, I don't know, but I, I, I think it's probably a losing battle. Like I, 
I expect this to go kind of similarly to the the way it went for boxing. Um, but um, I, I'm going to keep mentioning this stuff. So, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's definitely like a super complex uh, situation involving a lot of players and a lot of money. So whenever there's a lot of money involved, you can expect things to get a little messy, a little fire messy. So yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, I agree with you. Like it, it's definitely going to be an, an incredible event and if people are watching, don't feel, don't feel like we're, we're talking down on you. Like if you, if you would like to watch this, like, please do so. Like, um, yeah, just watch it. Like watch whatever you want. Like it's entertainment at the end of the day. So. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, exactly. And like, just, just don't say things like Saudi Arabia is like saving tennis and like, uh, yeah, like they don't, they don't need to be praised at all. Like they're not, they're not doing anything admirable here. They don't care about tennis. Like, if this, um, well, like you said earlier, um, if this doesn't make them money, like, I mean, they seem to have limitless money right now, but you know, it, like nothing is infinite, like at a certain point, don't know when that will be, but like at a certain point, they're not going to be able to spend with this much impunity anymore. And if tennis isn't, um, like making them a profit, then you know what they're going to stop paying attention to. So like, that's like, they're not, they're not like an ally here. They're. Sure. They're using tennis to help their image. Um, I think as long as we remember that, um, that's okay. Yeah. Well, well said. And uh, yeah, I guess on that note, we can kind of end. And uh, yeah, thanks for for listening. And tell us your opinions on all the topics that we said. Breakpoint, uh, sunshine double, um, clay, uh, clay season versus hardcore season post Australian Open and Saudi Arabia. What, what do you think about any of these things? You can let us know on uh, on Twitter. You can talk to us at Tedros A. Bagels. Uh, you can talk to me at Rolenberg Andre R. Owen at Tedros Nation. Uh, Varsh was on you as well. You can talk to him at Varsh Free 2K and you can go give him a follow on Tennis One as well. He's working really hard. Um, yeah, we, we got to get Vonch for another podcast soon. He's too cool for us now. He, yeah. He's spending all his time... Um, making making breakdown videos and uh and uh analyzing data so um yeah vonch we uh, do, don't don't forget who uh who your original people were yeah don't forget your origins <laughs> <laughs> right and we hope you come back soon no, I'm, I'm kidding i'm not that serious but yeah it, it would be fun to do one with all three of us soon i think um i i wouldn't be against doing like a, a draw preview for some big tournament at some point Issue. just because then we can talk kind of aimlessly about like oh who's gonna win what matchup would be interesting um and we don't really need to like watch a lot of tennis um yeah to be able to do that yeah for sure um so yeah i guess we can next one is definitely going to be indian wells unless we want to do anything on the the wt side but we'll see we'll see what, what gives uh the tennis season actually kind of goes by really fast and uh um we'll definitely be here soon uh, with another episode um so yeah Thanks so much for listening and thanks Owen for uh, joining me today in the podcast. Thank you. Always fun. Well. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.